I was trained initially as a journalist. So I was a newspaper reporter and then a magazine reporter. And then I worked for some TV stations. And then shortly after that, um, my best friend founded a cybersecurity company and hired me to run marketing. Our company ended up being really successful. We ended up going public in 2018. Uh, we sold the company later on in, in 2019. And all throughout this process, uh, I was able to be a storyteller in, in my own way. So you were supposed to go roller skating <laughs> for a date, but you didn't know how to roller skate or refresh my memory on that again. <laughs> You're up, you're ready, and you're listening to the Britney Mac Podcast. Everyone has a story. Applying them to inspire the world weekly on Motivation Mondays. Here's your host, Britney Mac. Hello, Mr. Ryan Murphy. How are you doing today? Brittany, thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing good. So I know you have a new book out called Gingered, a memoir. Tell us about that. I do. I do. It was my first book. Um, came out in November, December timeframe. I launched it on a few platforms. I uh, worked on it for the better part of a year. And uh, people are telling me it's pretty funny. That was the intention when I wrote it. But uh, anytime you're so close to a project, um, you never know if it's actually funny. And, I, you know, my wife probably thinks my I'm not as funny as, as I think I am. So I was worried uh, that it wouldn't be. But the feedback on the book so far has been uh, super great. So I've, I've loved the experience so far. Yeah, I saw your Instagram and I saw how funny you are because some of your posts, including your posts with your books, I was laughing so hard. I was like, I already know his book <laughs> is so funny just by that. My, my wife, sometimes, you know, I'll be recording a, a promotional video for the book and she's like, what the hell are you doing in there? Because I'm like screaming or like falling over uh, in a chair. But it's, but it's fun. It's, it's creative. It's, it's, it's a way to stay connected. It's been the, the most humbling thing about writing a book so far for me has been like that people are actually reading it. Like I don't, I, maybe this is just like an inner demon that I have, but. I, I didn't expect a whole lot of people to read. Like maybe close family members, close friends, but as I'm noticing, like people that I that I don't even know and they're reviewing it on Amazon and it's I don't know, it's super humbling. It's just a lot of fun. Yeah, I saw it was an Amazon um best released or something like that. Yeah, it was it spent a month as uh the number one uh new release in humor essay. So pretty pretty cool. And the book is a collection of short stories, about 40 of them. They're all true. Uh, starts from my very first memory, um, which, well, very first recent memory, which I was trying out for a soap opera. Uh, my mom thought that I was the cutest kid in the world, which is true, by the way. If you look at the cover of the book, you'll see the picture. And I just had this giant red red afro. And she's like, my son belongs on a soap opera. And I went to this audition and I just refused. Like, I just froze. I I was three years old. I had no interest in smiling for the pictures. Uh, so the book then tracks my relationship with my red hair throughout my life and uh, takes us through the current day and uh, where I am living in Staten Island, New York with my wife and my Cavaco, my puppy, who is biting my feet right now as we're doing this interview. So <laughs> if you hear me scream, uh, it's because of that. <laughs> 
is that the dog that's brown with the cute little hair? Yeah, yeah, he's he's actually a ginger too. So he's got uh, red curly hair, which I didn't pick him for this reason, but his name is Barkley, and he is probably the cutest thing ever in existence. Yes, he is so adorable. <laughs> I saw you had yeah. a really short story on Instagram from your book about roller skating. So you were supposed to go yeah. roller skating yeah. for a date, but you didn't know how to roller skate or refresh my memory on that again. <laughs> oh, I, so this is from uh, a story called Roller Magic in in my book. And in fourth grade, this is fourth grade, but 10 years old, the, uh, the teachers at my school in Staten Island, New York, they said, hey, at the end of the year, we're going to go on a class trip to Roller Magic which was this roller skating rink about, I don't know, 10 miles from our house. And we knew, having been to birthday parties at Roller Magic, that one of the big events was that at some point during the skating session, people were going to sit, the DJ would come on and say, okay, it's time for a couple skate. So then these love triangles and these dramas started to form in the classroom and people started asking each other, like, hey, will you skate with me? It was kind of like, the way that we geared up for prom, like 10 years later, but we were 10 years old, right? So we're passing notes and we're saying, will you skate with me and so-and-so love too? And I asked every single girl in the classroom. That, that's what I did. I made sure, I wanted to make sure that I was going to be able to skate with someone during couple skates. And lucky for me, three of them said yes, which was amazing, right? Three out of 15, pretty good batting average now that I think about it. Mm-hmm. And we get to the skating rink, and I realize that I don't know how to roller skate, right? So I spent all this time putting my energy into getting a romantic interest, getting a girl to agree to skate with me, and I get there, and I had absolutely no clue. So I ended up falling on my ass multiple times, and then finally, a uh, couple skate song comes on, and this girl, Michelle, uh, who I am still friends with on Facebook, by the way, I think she's in the book. Uh, we go out on the floor and I just like flip over, fall on my back and she was kind enough to pick me up and we just shuffled along on the wall for the entirety of the song, which is, she's, she's like the wind from the Dirty Dancing soundtrack and we made it about halfway around the ring uh, in three and a half minutes. So that is the... Reader's Digest version of that story, and I just—I've never lived that moment. And I've since learned to roller skate, mm-hmm. uh, which is a good thing. But um, yeah, that the, the love, the romance that I had in fourth grade was not to last. So sorry, Michelle. <laughs> so you are an amazing storyteller. But before I get into that, tell us about your backstory. Yeah, my bag. I think you, you nailed it. Like when people ask what I do, uh, I say that I'm a storyteller, and um, and that's taken a number of facets over, over my life. I was trained initially as a journalist. So I was a newspaper reporter and then a magazine reporter. And then I worked for some TV stations. And then shortly after that, um, my best friend founded a cybersecurity company and hired me to run marketing. And I said, I have no idea what marketing is. I truly had no idea. And he said, I don't, I don't care. I'm hiring you because you can tell good stories. And throughout my career as a marketer and then as a communications, like I did PR kind of stuff, um, it took my ability as a journalist to ask the right questions, to see what the story was, 
and to build that into the fabric of the, the content that we were establishing. And lucky for me, um, our company ended up being really successful. We ended up going public in 2018. Uh, we sold the company later on in, in 2019. And all throughout this process, uh, I was able to be a storyteller in, in my own way. So I think you nailed it. Like that's what I've done throughout my life. Um, the way that storytelling has occurred, um, the different iterations of it has changed, but the underlying foundation of sort of who I am is, I think, a storyteller. Yes. Awesome. So what makes a great story? Oh, that's a great question. If I, if I knew the answer to that, I'd probably have a, a New York Times bestseller. Um, but the way that I, the way that I look at it, um, there's a basic element to storytelling, right? Like you need, you need characters, you need plot, you need setting, you need some kind of theme or, or conflict. Uh, you need a main character, you need an antagonist like a villain. Um, but I sort of look beyond that. So the elements that I try to make sure to include in, in every kind of story, right? There, there needs to be some kind of drama. Uh, readers today have an infinite number of possibilities when it comes to entertaining them, right? And like, I'm like, hey, I'm going to put out a book <laughs> where you have an iPad, a TV, a PlayStation, you have outside, you have the puppy. Like there's so much stuff that can distract you. So there needs to be some sense of drama that keeps the story going. Like what are you doing as a storyteller to keep the audience's interest? And often through drama, and you see this in television shows now, right? Like almost yeah. all of them have some kind of dramatic element to it. Uh, where you're like, oh my God, I have to, I have to watch the next episode. I have to binge watch this. And I think I tried to do that with a lot of my stories in the book where people have been telling me like, oh my God, like I did it in one sitting. It was, it was, I had to keep going. And I, I think so drama is number one, like two is relatability. Uh, the, the author or the storyteller needs to bring the audience in where the reader can identify in some way with the conflict or the drama that's occurring. So the reader wants to put themselves into that story and like, how would I as the audience member perceive that? So relatability and then immersion. I was always trained to as much as possible, like right to the senses. Meaning like if you could deliver to a reader, like what something smelled like or tasted like or, or sounded like, you would put them literally in that story. And a big part of my book is, um, 90s nostalgia. It's when I grew up. Uh, it's when I was a kid. So I put put people who grew up during that time frame back in the 90s as much as I could. So immersion in the time frame. And then last one is is simplicity, right? I think as writers and storytellers, I know I was guilty of this for a lot of the early part of my career. We think you need to use giant words and sentences so that we sound smart when in reality the, the simpler the story is um the briefer it is sometimes the more compelling it can be so uh, drama relatability uh, immersion and simplicity i think are the, the elements that make a good story so um why do you consider marketing just good storytelling um, marketing yeah so i mean when i first started marketing like i said i i, I told my best friend in Boston said, I, I have no idea what I'm doing. And he said, that's okay. Neither do I. Um, but marketing, I think, and there are jobs in marketing, which um, I'm not trying to reduce marketing down to just storytelling, but for the most part, when you look at marketing, the main goal 
if you're pushing a product, an idea, is to try to get the audience to understand that you, as a company, have an understanding of their problem set, a unique understanding of their problem set. And in order to do that, you need to tell good stories. As a, as a human race, we've been telling stories right around the campfire and elsewhere for thousands of years. And that's how we've recorded history. That's how we get entertainment now. And that's how we sell products now. The, the commercials, and the ad campaigns, and the companies that we tend to remember best are the ones that tell good stories. And they're not just saying, hey, here's my product. Uh, they're saying, hey, here's how my product is going to solve a unique problem for you. And here's why I or we as a company are uniquely qualified to, to solve that problem. So that's why I think marketing is just good storytelling. Right. And I feel like um, just like you said that most of the, if not all of great businesses that do well, make sure they infuse storytelling to really draw their customers in. Just like um, Disney, for example, their tagline is be a part of the story. And, you know, they're known yeah. for their great story that they tell through their movies um, TV shows and everything else, but yeah, a lot of different, um, a lot of different brands Great. do storytelling yeah. and it helps them succeed a lot. <laughs> um, yeah, and so Pixar does a great job with that. If you've ever watched any uh, Pixar shorts, so mm-hmm. there's short movies that some that run before some of the longer movies. Like there's two in particular, Feast F E A S T. It's about a dog, um, and I've cried, Britain, watching this short. It's like five minutes long. I've cried watching it every single time because it's such good storytelling. And the other is uh, Piper. It's a, and there's no, there's no dialogue in any of these shorts. It's just what you see on the screen. And Piper is about a, a sandpiper who is a baby and the mother is teaching her how to uh, get food, how to sort of hunt in and battle uh, the, the waves that come her way. And I'm, I'm not doing the story any justice, but if you have the time, go watch Feast and Piper and then text me and be like, those were the best movies I think I've ever seen. And they're like four minutes long. So you nailed it with Disney and Pixar, uh, of course, a brand of Disney. Okay, okay. I definitely got to check that out. <laughs> so yeah. when you're doing yeah. stories, even when you're writing, writing a book, what are your biggest um, fears when doing that? Oh, then no one's going to care. Um, I think it's like <laughs> irrelevance and isolation and that is no good. And I think every time I sit down to write, um, you know, there's two, there's one of two versions of me that show up. Uh, one is the, the creative version, the playful person that can hype forever and um, the story just flows out of me. And then there's the other side of me, which is like many of us, just filled with fear, uncertainty, and doubt about my ability. And the hardest part for me in, in writing this book was when I got to the end. And Brittany, I'd read the story probably like a hundred times each. And I was just so close to the book at that point that I said, this, these aren't any good. Like, I'm not laughing at any of the jokes. And I, I don't feel like there's a flow to the stories. And someone very close to me read the book and she said, hey, it's just because 
your your two closest. She's like, these are good, like trust your judgment, trust your storytelling ability, and put the book out. But I was I was probably minutes away from like deleting the whole manuscript and never putting it out, and ultimately decided um, that that I would put it out. And lucky for me, I did. Yeah, I, I can understand a lot as a storyteller because sometimes when I'm working on something. I'll be like, even if I'm trying to create like a season to see what the season is going to be about, I'll go back and forth. Like I changed the theme of this season a few times. I'm like, okay, no, they're not going to like that. And I just, I be so in my head. And even when I start putting things out, I'll just be like, I wonder what they're going to think. I wonder if they're going to take it the wrong way. I just, it's so, so many things that be going through my head as a storyteller. I know. Uh, so first of all, I love the theme of your season. It's gratitude, right? Gratitude is the theme of the season. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I I love it. Um, I'll, so I'll do a gratitude meditation um, pretty frequently, like once or twice a week, where the premise of it is like you start and you say in your head, like, I am thankful for, and then you have to fill in the blank for as long as you can, right? And I've noticed that there are literally like trillions of reasons to be thankful and like approaching the creative process through a lens of gratitude. Like, Oh my God, like I have the capacity and ability to tell a story right now. And there's people that are listening uh, with your podcast or reading my book. Like that's, I, I love, I love conceptually what gratitude can do for not only day to day living, but for the creative process as well. So like respect for making that the theme. I love it. Thank you. <laughs> I love waking up and trying to be, well, I love waking up and being grateful for a lot of things because it's definitely changed a lot. Just waking up and starting the yeah. morning with um a lot of great positive energy, it really sets the tone for the day. It does. What has been your favorite story that you've ever put out? Oh, that's a great question. Um, So I was preparing for this and I was like, oh, she's probably going to ask what your favorite story is. And I wanted to come up with something like super creative and be like, Oh, the, the next one, right. The one that's yet to be told. Uh, but that's, first of all, it's super cliche and it's probably a lie. And I'm not here to impress you. I'm here to be honest. So, uh, I will. And the answer to that is, so it's the last story in my book. Uh, and it's titled raspberry, like the fruit. And that story tracks my wife and I's fertility journey. Uh, we uh, are, have gone through IVF in trying to uh, have our first kiss. And um, people have read this story, particularly men. And what I try to do is take a look at the humorous side or, and the male perspective of this because the, the entire fertility health journey from a male's perspective is is absolutely bizarre. The things that you sort of have to do and the vulnerable positions that you have to put yourself in and the questions that you have to answer when it comes to reproductive health. And I wanted to put a humorous spin on that because as I was going through this process, I realized that like, this is some funny stuff. <laughs> like the things that I have to do and uh, the questions I have to answer. And uh, the story ends up becoming one of the more serious ones in the book, but wrapped with humor. And I think it has a very hopeful ending to it. And the reason that I like it so much is because uh, when I put the book out and people started reading it, I had a number of men reach out to me and say, thank you for writing this. Thank you for telling our side of the story. I think in 
modern society, it's very easy for uh, men in particular to feel like they need to have some level of machismo and masculinity when it comes to reproductive health when the reality is we're all just doing our best as much as we can. So these men who reached out to me said, like, this was exactly my journey. And like, I, I was always afraid to tell people and I felt so alone and isolated. So the, the cool part was that I was able to create connection with men that I'd never you know, met before in my life um, that we had this shared experience. Um, and through storytelling, we were able to um, have that connection. So probably, probably that story, but honestly, the roller skating one is really good too. Um, I, I love writing that one and, and people, uh, there's, there's a number of stories in the book that just sort of tackle the trials and tribulations of adolescence and tackling things like first kiss and dealing with body parts and image that we, we don't like. But uh, if I could put out one story for someone to read to sort of get me, it would be uh, Raspberry from my book. Okay, okay. So what was your motivation for writing the book? Connection. Uh, I started writing it during COVID when we were all locked in our houses and we didn't know who we could be or when we could leave again. And I, you know, I started to feel um, alone and disconnected from communities of people that I had spent you know, my life with. And so I started to write on Instagram. I started to write short stories and um, people liked them. And they were like, keep this up, like go as long as you can. And I wrote for like, I don't know, 250 straight face I put stories up and um and then I was having a conversation with someone later on and I said hey I think I'll, I think I want to write a book one day and she said to me what are you talking about like, the book is already written like look at your Instagram like there's mm-hmm. hundreds of stories there. Just, just turn that into a book uh and so that's what I ended up doing so granted there were about 250 stories on Instagram I took what I thought were uh the best 40 of them and, and turned them into a book so the motivation I think was uh, for some level of connection. And I think there's a, an element of personal healing in there as well. I, I lost my grandfather, uh, who was like a father to me, toward the end of 2020. And a lot of the stories in the book chronicle my relationship with him uh, from childhood through uh, his passing in 2020. So for me, uh, it was it was an opportunity for healing and doing what I knew how to do and tell stories to try to um, deal with and analyze that grief. So connection and, and personal healing, big, big components of, of the book, I think. Yes, that's amazing. Who is your book for? I think it's, I think it's anyone who has a part of themselves, whether that be, uh, you know, red hair or some other, physical characteristic or maybe it's um you know a fear that you have anyone that is reluctant to share a part of themselves with the world because i felt that way for so so long specifically as it relates to my hair which is just such a silly thing when you think about it um but when you're 10 years old and you know people are sort of making fun of you because you have red hair um like i wanted to share that experience but i wanted to let audience members know that um, we're all unique. We are all idiosyncratic in our own way. We all have something that we don't like about ourselves and that's okay. Um, so that's the, that's who it was intended for what I'm finding uh, because there's a picture of a 
cute little redheaded boy on the front. Uh, a lot of like 30, 40 year old, 50 year old women are like, I'm going to read this book because that's a cute kid. And they do, and they end up loving it. But, um, uh, so the audience has been skewing largely female since I've written it. But we, I think we all pretty have some part of us that, um, you know, we're worried about or ashamed of or don't want to share with the world. And I think this book says to those people, like, it's okay to be you as you are. Yes, I love that message. And I think red hair is so cute. I had a teacher. <laughs> I had a teacher. He was in Arthur as well when I was in high school. It was my one of my favorite teachers. Everybody loved this teacher. And um, I think he might be in New York now. I'm not sure. But he is also a ginger. And he, he wrote about things like you did, too. But he, he writes mainly children's books. But yeah, oh, nice. he has also talked about things like that. But I think it's so cute. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, I love it. Thank you. I appreciate it. I do too now. And, and so I don't want to ruin the ending of the book. But my wife and I, we are having a son in May. So two months from now. And, you know, we keep wondering, like, is he going to come out with red hair? And um, maybe, right? So maybe <laughs> I think if... If uh, if he does, it'll be an opportunity for, for me to sort of lean into that. And I, I would think it was just the most adorable thing in the world. So I I hope that when he reads this book one day that he can say, oh, okay. Like, first of all, okay, my dad's a little crazy, right? He's a little nuts for writing this stuff. But um, second to that, like he, you know, I as his dad are telling him and giving him the message like, hey, man, it's okay to be who you are. Absolutely. I try to be one of those people as well in my community because I have natural curly hair and I know a lot of people uh -huh. in my community, um, they like to change their hair because it's a lot of drawback for having curly yeah. hair. So I try to be one of those people who wear mine anyway to show um, younger people and just anybody really that you can be you embrace who you are. It's okay. So I, I love what you're doing. I absolutely do. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so do you have any advice for um, anybody that's listening that may be um, going through any journey that you've been through or um, that you're going through? Yeah. Well, if there's any heads listening, um, like put on more sunscreen than you think. Uh, I have run into um, scenarios way too many times in my life where I've underfit on sunscreen, so uh, dealt with a number of sunburns. But on a, on a serious note, um, you know, we talked about the creative process and being a storyteller, and uh, the, the true reality is that the the work, the final work, is never going to be perfect, and it's never going to be ready. So stick to the process, the creative process, and lean into it. And love it, even on the days where it's really, really hard. Uh, I think everyone has a book or a story inside of them um, that they want to tell. And sometimes they feel afraid to do so. And when in reality, it's, it's really just about showing up in front of the keyboard or in front of the microphone or whatever your creative outlet is and sticking to the process day to day. Um, that's what I found. I, I say to some people, like, hey, if I could... I could write a book, anyone could. And I think the reason for that is um, that I was able to get one out because I was just stubborn. Like I refused to give up even in the moments where I thought the book was terrible. Um, I thought that I didn't have good stories. Um, I, didn't, I didn't quit on myself and I, I stuck to the process. And then 
you know, as it relates to the themes in the book itself, um, some people have said like the book is a love story in a few ways, like um, love of self, right? My relationship to myself, um, my relationship with my grandfather and my relationship to my wife, I think are the three main characters in that book. And um, lean into those relationships in your life because they're, you know, none of them last forever. Um, you know, we have the opportunity every day, as you said earlier, to wake up grateful for what we have, but we don't know uh, how long uh, certain people are going to be here. So lean into whatever relationships you have, lean into the parts of yourself that uh, you may not be in love with and recognize that like you're going to be okay and tell the people that you love that you love them uh, whenever you can because they they will benefit from that. Absolutely. And you've been successful with this book release. Like we mentioned earlier, um, you came out as the Amazon number one best release. So how do you celebrate your success? I took a lot of naps. I was really tired after all that. <laughs> so uh, I made sure to, uh, you know, to, to, to rest a little bit, to reflect on what the creative process was and uh, to lean into some other areas of my life that I had been neglecting a little bit, you know, when I was writing the book. Um, but I think the truest way to sort of celebrate any kind of success is to stay committed to the process. And um, I, I don't know who said it, but it's some, some line to the effect of, you know, what, what makes someone successful is, uh, you know, when they perform a successful act, they are successful at that moment. And then you wake up the next day and sort of the, the rent is due again. So uh, I have a hard time sometimes looking backward and saying like, hey, what a success this was. I'm sort of always looking forward and wondering, you know, what the next creative endeavor is going to be. So I think I can sort of honor the process and um, honor the previous book by leaning into whatever the next one is going to be. And uh, I don't know what that is yet. We'll see. Yeah, well, it was truly an honor to have you here. And I look forward to reading more stories from your book. And um, I hope everybody go out and get it. Um, it's available on Amazon. And where else can you find it? Yeah, it's on Instagram. You can find me on Instagram at Ryan D. Murphy. Um, the, the link's available there. I think I put out funny content. Brittany, you said my stuff's pretty funny. So go on there, connect, send me a DM. I'd love to hear from uh, your audience, Brittany, and especially anyone that's, that's read the book. Can't wait. Y'all heard that. DM him. <laughs> well, yeah, thank yeah. you so much for being here. And yeah, it was a thank great you. great having you. <laughs> Have a great day. Talk to him. Take care. Bye. Bye. <laughs>